The WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the WPTF Weekend Gardener. Mike Rayley here, along with Ann Clapp. Morning, Miss Clapp. How good, are you today? Good morning, Mr. Riley. A little foggy out there, isn't it? It's it's a bit froggy, yes. There are lots of frogs around But there. I was cutting through the fog this morning. It was no problem. <laughs> sleek automobile. So, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very sleek automobile. Yes, indeed. So we didn't have any, we didn't have any problems getting here. Brother Rufus Edmonston is is with us. I'm sure he brought his entourage this morning and uh, was limousined in. So uh, you, didn't, you didn't you didn't you didn't have any. Gerald trouble. was leading the way with his big truck. That's right. He was cutting through. What well, reminded me of a mountain morning sometimes when you. The fog was so thick up there when I grew up that you'd have to cut it with a bush axe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You may have to explain. A lot of people wouldn't know what a bush axe is. <laughs> is, it, is it akin to a bush hog? <laughs> no. Uh, well, no. You, uh, well, if you use your hands, your arms and hands, it might be a bush hog. How about that? Well, at any rate, uh, Gerald Adams is with us, too. Good Gerald, morning. how you doing? Thank you so much for, for coming in. I'm aspiring for drier days. I, I think I'm ready to see the ground dry. Yeah, it's a lot in your work. There's a lot of sloshing around. <laughs> Ooh, I tell you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, creek, we can... the creek behind our house is just overflowing. Yeah, I mean, the I, there's uh, there's no problem with that. There's a creek creek getting off of the Beltline onto Capitol Boulevard, uh, going east. That that pool has been there under the overpass for. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like for years, and it just never goes away. They ought to make it a city lake. Yeah, the greenway that cuts across Centennial Campus, a lot of it runs kind of parallel with Walnut Creek, and there's some places where the greenway is creek <laughs> and, not, <laughs> and not greenway, and I suspect it'll be May or June before that ever dries out. <clears throat> yeah, at least. Well, I, I made a comment here a couple Saturdays ago about the culvert at the farmer's market on Lake Wheeler Road got this long dissertation from a very uh, scholarly engineer who explained about the, the, the size of the pipes. And, and I, I said, well, I, I described it as it better be one you can stand up in to handle all that. <laughs> and 
He said, well, I sort of agree with you. <laughs> yeah. But it was he after all of does. that. Sort of does. Well, there are lots of uh, plants out there because Rufus brought in some camellia buds from oh. his 100 or so camellias, and they are gorgeous, my friend. They really well, are. Well, the one here that Gerald first, uh, Ann and I couldn't think of, it, Kramer Supreme, mm-hmm. is it is literally as big as a softball. Mm, that is and, a beautiful. Yeah, and it looks like it may come from from maybe two or three buds, but I've been checking it. It's one bud, one bud, and it's a huge with a dark red, mm-hmm. some yellow in the middle, stamen, and then my favorite of all is the one that Geraldine uh, identified: pink perfection. Pink mm-hmm. perfection yep. is the gorgeous plant. It's Double bloom, so beautifully formed, and just a very mm-hmm. light pink. Uh, everybody ought to have one of those in there. And, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know about these other two here. One is a very pink with, with white, slashes through it, and a yellow center, yellow stamen. Did we identify that one, Gerald? No, I'm not sure which one. I don't think it's not the Lady Van Sittart. Uh... That and that Lady Van Sittart is just an amazing plant, but. This one right here, I think, is everybody's favorite professor. Professor Sargent. Yes, yes. which is very carnation-like. Large, large, too. So that, uh, I mean, any shape that you want in a a flower, it seems like, almost. Most of them are fairly large. And that's a wolf pack red, a bright, bright red. It certainly is. Yeah, that looks looks like a wolf wolf pack red to me. And it, uh, it has no... The center is is part the part that's that's carnation like. It has a large center of it. It doesn't have the yellow stamens in it as uh, many of them do. Uh, the pink or salmon yeah, this, this one. one uh, did did you? What was the name of that? Pink, pink perfection. Pink perfection. And that is pink perfection. Aptly named. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a gorgeous mm-hmm. gorgeous pink. So uh, and that you say that's a one of your favorites. Yeah, one of my favorite. It, it would have to be. Uh, this thing is just gorgeous. The, the Kramer Supreme. Yeah. It, it is just, it, it bends the leaves over. And I've got one that's called, I haven't seen what it's going to look like, but it's called Red Jade. That ought to please all my, my state friends. I don't know how it's going to look or what it, I can't, I just can't remember because I'm like most plant people. I, I lose the identification after the first couple of years. And I don't know how any anybody remains uh, cognizant of what their names are unless you had some kind of tinfoil permanent sign on them. Have you, have you found a way, Gerald, to keep identifying things without time? Some people just have, have those photographic memories. Well, like, my, mine's like, not photographic, but if you mess with certain ones long enough and when, yeah. when people were ones we used to sell at the nursery, uh, yeah. camellias, I, I can happily say, and I think this show should get a lot of credit for it or really have made a comeback in the plant being planted in the landscape, I'd say, in the last five to seven years. As, uh, I know the whole time there I was at Campbell Road, we constantly sold more and more, and I looked farther and farther trying to find more varieties. But even if you ch- check now with some of your longtime nursery growers in this area, They've got a lot more camellias to offer than I think they mm-hmm. had maybe 10, 15 <clears throat> years yeah, ago. Yeah. People and have come to realize what we've known for a long time. You, you can't ha- hardly go wrong. It's, uh, there are so many different varieties 
uh, and subtle subtle differences in some, and 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 of course uh, there are a few that that have a little bit of fragrance, and it's not overpowering like some flowers, but they uh, they certainly do the trick if that's something you're seeking in the landscape. But they're they're bred mostly for their uh, spectacular beauty, and can are there any dwarf varieties? I, there are. They are somewhat. They call. Uh, they tend to call them spreading varieties because most of the ones that only get two or three or four foot tall tend to get a lot wider uh, than, than they did to get called. There are some others. Uh, Shishi Gashira, which is a mm-hmm. pretty uh, deep pink bloom, it's hard pressed to get to maybe four to five foot tall. Which that you know is. Some people wouldn't say four to five foot tall is dwarf, but when other camellias are 15 foot tall, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, is a much yeah. smaller. But uh, I know that there I planted, um, let's see, a white and a pink one over at the Park Alumni Center this year that both only supposed to get about three to four foot tall, but they should get five to six foot wide. So that's uh, yeah, kind of stumpy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's. I that's, think one of them is uh, uh, Showa Nosaki is the name of one of them, and uh, Mana, Mana Nosuki or something like that is the other. Mini Nosuki. Yep, that's it. Well, they, they, they some of them get quite large. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, twenty huge. feet, twenty yeah, twenty feet uh, tall or a, more. A lot, a lot taller than I yeah, can get. Yeah, and some, you know, they're varying shapes. Mm-hmm. Most of them very upright. Some, some. Uh, Get very wide though. They get wider than they get tall, but they're still still become large plants. Uh, some are very slow <coughs> growing too, but uh, they. Uh, of course, we have the sasanquas and japonicas, or and and sinensis sinensis. And speaking of Rufus, the one we can't identify it, is it a sasanqua? Has it got smaller leaves? It is a sasanqua. Uh, well, it could be almost Eden. I'm looking at a picture right now that's very, very close. That's very close. Oh, yeah. that, that is that's, a that's very close. One is such a lighter pink mm-hmm. with the white spots. Yeah, it's hard to tell it. because there there's so many variations. Yes, and, and there's a lot of them, quite frankly, that you would have to see the growth habit, know how tall the bush got and mm-hmm. leaves and all because the blooms are very similar looking. But well, this, this is a long bloomer. It's been blooming now for about about a month, mm-hmm. and that's that's – well, I, I, I'm I'm having a difficulty with telling which is Sasanquin, which is uh, Japonica. The leaves don't necessarily tell you the truth because I've seen some Japonicas with smaller leaves than Sasanquas, and I guess you just got to memorize it. Yeah, that that's a, a general rule of thumb, but there are exceptions, and also the they're generally the Sasanquas get bigger and taller, but that's not always true because there's some Japonicas that get, yeah. that get pretty pretty big, and there are uh, some Sasanquas that stay smaller. So that's uh, yeah. uh, you, you kind of have to have a combination of looking at the leaf and the bloom to ultimately narrow it yeah. down. Well, like you said, I don't know how you go wrong <clears throat> with a camellia because I, I've never had one die of a disease yet. Now, I've had them die just because of putting them in the wrong place. And, and some fellows that I should have never have had out there trying to plant them, digging a, a, a 50 cent hole for a $50 yeah. plant. There you go. John, that good quote from John Harris. And then the, Gerald brought somebody out there one time, a couple of boys, 
and they they were taught well because I, they always will dig a hole three times as the width of the plant. And they they learn well from Gerald. They might have had yeah. that yelled at them a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, he bigger, said you bigger. did. He said the straw boss. He called you the straw boss. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they uh, that that is so important to dig dig the right size hole. Don't dig it too deep, but dig it plenty of wide so those roots can can stretch out and and be happy. You're listening to the Weekend Gardener on WPTF nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. More coming up. It's eight nineteen. For 40 years, it was the Tar Heel Gardener. And since then, the Weekend Gardener has invited you into their backyard. A WPTF tradition since 1945. We're still talking about camellias. Boy, camellias all over the place. And uh, the Kramer Supreme looks like several flowers in one. It looks like a bouquet. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, I've, I've tried to investigate, Mike, to see if. If it's maybe two or three buds that produce the flower, but it's it's one bud, yeah. it just breaks all up. And it, as I mentioned a moment ago, it it's closer to the size of a softball than a baseball. Yeah, I don't think I have one of those. I think I'll have to that is have to find a Kramer point. Supreme and and plant that mm-hmm. because it's uh, now, it, it it is a japonica. Yes, yes, it yes. is definitely a japonica. Which normally all, all blooms a little later in the season. The Sasankas yeah. bloom normally before the, but this year the some of the japonicas have bloomed fairly early, but that's okay. We can get to enjoy more. Do y'all have do y'all have a lot of camellia? I know there are probably some at the Chancellor's <coughs> residence. We we don't have as that's one thing I think we've got some areas we'll be adding more. As I I had planted some at alumni in, in two three different places. There and I put uh, some smaller growing ones at the chancellor's house as well. But we've got a lot of good places for camellias, kind of sunny morning, shady afternoon kind of locations. So, and then we've got some other places where we can have some larger. So we, we've got good places for a wide range. I think there are a few places on main campus where they probably planted some of the larger varieties way back in the day and they might should have planted a smaller smaller variety <laughs> smaller, yeah. smaller one as space is kind of a premium uh but that's one of the things that's good about centennial we're a lot more spread out <coughs> over there everything's not so right on top of the others as it is on so much of main campus what have y'all uh, planted the most something that you know that uh, is going to be Fairly low maintenance because there's a lot of maintenance for a huge campus like that. Uh, well, that's hard to say. <laughs> we have planted we have planted so many things, uh, and there's so much. Uh, sometimes low maintenance is a is a misnomer. We have uh, I'm unplanting, <laughs> as in removing so much uh, Liriope cicada, which is the dark green spread ones. You know, some people will confused with monkey grass because of how quickly uh it spreads and it was planted back in the day at many places on campus because it was thought to be you know you plant it and there it is and it's pretty low maintenance but the problem is weeds inevitably get in it and it's so thick that you can't spray it with roundup and then that the only other alternative is manual removal, as in pulling up. That's a lot of labor. Right. Uh, and then you're spending all this labor on something that, quite frankly, 
when it looks its best, I'm not jumping up and down enthused about it. <laughs> so no. if you're going to spend a lot of labor on something, you want it to go like, wow, when people ride by. Yeah. So we've been uh, removing some smaller batches, particularly around some signs, and we've been planting uh, encore azaleas. Uh, in, in their Boy, place you, you get them. your money's worth out of an encore azalea. That, that's right. So we've been picking and choosing some of those places to get something with one some bloom, two that was is slow growing, so it's not going to require very little pruning, uh, is open enough that we can get around it to to easier prevent and remove weeds. Uh, so that's uh, we, we got a lot of that work ahead of us, but we've been kind of creeping in that direction where we've gotten the chance. So sometimes you you know just because a plant uh, by growth habit you don't think it would require a lot of maintenance, you better explore a little farther <laughs> into that because five ten years down the road that may be a, a different story altogether. Now I'm gonna stand up for flocks, so tall tall flocks. Mm-hmm. You don't have any flocks planted planted uh, there? We, we've got some creeping flocks in some places, uh, but I don't, off the top of my head, don't know that we've got any garden flocks, the, the taller in, in any places. I Did you ever hear anybody call the creeping flock flocks uh, thrift? Yes. That was my yes. mother. Mother yes. used to call it yeah. thrift. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. o- older thrift. people are going to refer to it like that more, more often than not. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very valuable and and comes back. I mean, it's pretty long lived, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh, and I, off the top of my head, I had pretty pretty disease resistant. Uh, it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of issues. Yeah. So another, but uh, back to the encore azaleas, they have bloomed. They bloomed most of last year, not in the really hot hot part of the summer. Or the the coldest part of of this winter, which we really haven't had much, but other than that, it's it's just bloomed a, a lot. Really, a, you know, you just as I said, you get your money's worth with these. There are a lot more colors, and there are <clears throat> some that are are not made by the company that make Encore and have that that name, but they are rebloomers. And uh, gosh, I I would certainly advocate doing that. Yeah, I, I've got a question here. I, I know what I do, but I wonder about the rest, Ann and Gerald and you. Uh, we know that you you cut if you're going to cut back your azaleas, cut them back after they bloom. Well, on encores, of course, you're blooming twice a year. And do you cut back every both in the fall and the spring? I have I have ignored the fall bloom for cutting back and wait till the spring to do just one time a year, even for the the Encores. So what what say ye? I I prefer doing the same because I think you've got, if you cut them back in the spring, uh, you've got more growing. They're going to grow more from spring to fall than they are from end of fall through the wintertime. Right. You might cut off some too. That's right. So I think you've got a chance to get it to flush back out better and in that process develop more buds for your fall bloom where I think if you cut them back in the fall – you're not going to have as much time for it to flush back out for the spring, so your spring bloom may be a little may be a little thinner. Yeah, and yeah. azaleas are so shallow rooted. I'm not crazy, and in particular, if you've got one of the dwarf encores that doesn't get but two and a half or three foot tall, there's not a lot of root system there for it compared to other larger azaleas. And 
I worry if all of a sudden we have a killer winner uh, where we've after we've had all these mild ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk more about plants. You're welcome to call us at 919-860-9783 or listening to The Weekend Gardener. Get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. 919-860-9783. Mike Rayley here along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmonston and Gerald Adams <coughs> on the WPTF Weekend Gardener. Been talking a lot about camellias and a um, little bit about azaleas and got into pruning a little bit. But uh, got anything on the, on the campus or on, at the chancellor's house that that has a really sweet fragrance this time of year? <clears throat> Let's see, this time of year. Like winter jasmine or winter honey, honeysuckle? Don't have either one of those. Um, I have got a place now where I'm going to plant some Edgeworthia mm-hmm. probably this spring, hopefully. Uh, that because of the the... As you expand out, you know, you can see this time of the year pretty good through the woods down to Lake Raleigh. Uh, but we, you know, they kind of carved a place out of the woods when they built the house there. So we've got a lot of areas where I mean, it's pretty big hardwoods and pine trees uh, at the perimeter that we can come out from that. That kind of no man's land between the lawn and uh, right. and the and the woods there. Uh, and that is one of the things that we're going to add into that. We do have Confederate jasmine growing up uh, <clears throat> the back uh, on an arbor, and we do have gardenias there uh, as well. I did last year have some Daphne in the brick planters uh, for winter. Uh, I do not have them there uh, this year as, of, as I changed out for summer what we were doing there. Well, did they, did they go bye-bye, or did you replant them? No, I have got them into to some containers trying to baby them to get them a little bit larger is, is what I'm I understand working, they don't like to be moved too much. Forward. So, no, you have to be kind of – they pout real easy. Yeah. <laughs> I know about that. Well, what, about, <laughs> yes. what about evergreen clematis? I'm, I'm a great fan of that. Uh, we don't have any at the Chancellor's, but there is some on campus on, on, a, on a number of different um, – these steel cable type systems made up beside some buildings and a couple of the places. Yeah, it takes the steel cable to, 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 to hold, hold it. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, some of the bus stops have some kind of arbors over over them, <clears throat> and there's some of it in those as well. Okay. Oh, by, by the way, uh, but we don't have enough. We do I don't want to change them. the subject here, Mike, but I've got a nice email here from, from Joyce and Dan Bruffy, B-R-U-F-F-Y, Suggesting that Smithfield Barbecue has wonderful hot dogs. <laughs> now, can, can Gee, you? Can why, you, why is it everything always turns around to a hot dog before we end I'm the on, show? I've got the the hot dog investigative agency is out there, H I A hot dog investigative agency. So, Joyce and Dan, we do appreciate that, and I I can't wait. I, I would never have thought. Of having a hot dog at Smithfield Barbecue, I didn't know they they served hot you dogs. Just, uh, you just you you're just going to have people coming out of the woodwork recommending hot dogs now. Yeah, and and by the way, they said they were going to contribute to the Super Kids, which good for them, which I thank them for. And, yeah. and we, we've we, had 
quite a response over the years yeah. here with, with right. wonderful listeners out there. As That's my right. uh, friends in Boone used to call it Radio Land. Yeah. And I, I thanked them for that. So thank you, Bruffies, uh, for that suggestion. And I'll, I will try Smithfield's Barbecue at some time for a hot dog. You will go on a crusade. Hey, written test them and walk in there and say, I want a Rufus dog. Yeah. Let's see how short they we'll are. Have, we'll have them all over say, the place. You say who? At the farmer's market, we'll have them. Uh, at Smithfield's, we'll, we'll have them all, all over the place. Uh, hopefully, George at the Rose Grill will open back up. And uh, Yeah, who, 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 really, who, who really has the best of all if George could just open up? I mean, I, 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 he, he, I do uh, fancy myself as a hot dog coat. Connoisseur, but George takes the kid. Yeah, Shorty's uh, Shorty's over in Wake Forest is great. There are a lot of good hot dogs around here. Um, but Clues, anyway, I, I, Clues is a is a great hot dog place. That's a, a more of an up north hot dog. It's it's a, I think Dan gets those from from Michigan or someplace. Uh, they're Coney Island type hot dogs, and uh, they're quite tasty too. Uh, well. Back back to uh, gardening. Yeah, let's get back to gardening here. I, You're making me hungry. Now, the, Rufus, you have a book sitting in front of you. What's what's the name? Plant Propagation by the this wonderful lady named Rose Rhodes. What a and she's on the line with us. Oh, she's on the line. She is. Well, how Rose, wonderful. Is. Rose, you're such a modest person. You didn't even mention your book when you called. I not supposed to. And Ann mentioned it. When she called our our Hawaiian trip friend, and and uh-huh. by golly, I had a I had a book at the office here, at the station by Monday, and I'd already ordered a couple of them. I ordered a couple of them Saturday, so okay. we we have uh, three books. I may have to give one away uh, next weekend or something. That would but, be good. Yeah, I'll, I'll start spreading the word. What a uh, what a wonderful book! And I looked, uh, I've looked through it, and uh, there is. A section, little section on propagating Daphne's. It's uh, been a, a subject on this program. Maybe sore, but a subject. <laughs> <laughs> it, we we have determined that it is a hard thing to do. But uh, let me first, before we get into propagation of Daphne's and other things, what prompted you to to do this? To this, this is quite a project. Well, I uh, my husband died, and they said I should write my memoirs or something about him. I said, well, we're not that important, but I think people would like propagation. <laughs> oh, how about that? And see, I've, been, I've been propagating almost all my life. And so my grandmother started me on that. And so I, she made she had some cinder blocks, and in, in there she would plant um Boxwoods, and it would take a long time for those to root. Yeah, those English boxwoods. I enjoyed that. Yeah, you mean when you say she had some cinder blocks? What? Yeah, she put she put cinder blocks and made a square about as big as a table, and in there she would uh, put those cuttings. And that's before you had plastic or anything to cover them up or a greenhouse. Uh-huh. But they would root. <laughs> so she basically had four walls and no top on it. Yeah, it would just be a row. It wouldn't be tall. It would just be one row of, of cinder blocks around it. Oh, huh. how about that? Did she use plastic on top of the of the cinder blocks rows? She said she, no, th- it was before the, the plastic. Well, probably wasn't invented when my grandmother did. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. So she didn't use a sheet or, or, or anything Nothing. occasionally. Nothing. Yeah. 
How about that? And I think she would put it under the grapevine. Maybe that was her protection. That would be. Well, what what is your favorite plant to propagate? What was your first of all? What was your grandmother's favorite? My grandmother, uh, she was she was interested. What she first did was boxwood. And then she became a great plants woman, and they had a pond, and she planted all three acres of the flowers on Boyette Pond. Flowers, uh, camellias, and azaleas. Uh huh. So, so she would propagate. She would propagate camellias. Oh yes. Yeah. And so the way I tell you, a good way to propagate camellias for the homeowner is air layering. Yeah. If you air layer a plant in March, which is about the time to do that. By you and you cut off all the bloom buds except one. That spot that winter you will have a blooming plant and a one you can transfer it to a blooming to a container one gallon, and you'll have a blooming plant in one year. So you take a cutting. Are you talking about taking a cutting of a camellia? Explain explain to our listeners what air laying layering okay, is you, you um you come down you find a limb or a branch that looks almost like a little tree you know it's shaped like you want it so you gird the bark gird the stem all the way around and then you go about a fourth of an inch and you do that again and then you scrape all that wood bark and cambium the green part scrape all that away and then you put Moist sphagnum moss, and you can use um, a rutone or something like that. Simone is what I liked at that time. I don't know if that's available now. And then you cover it with um, that sphagnum moss and wrap it in tin foil. And you turn one end one way and twist the other end another way, and it'll stay there. And then about July, you can cut that off, and you have a, a lot of roots in that uh, tin foil. Oh, about so that! That's how I did that most of mine. Yeah. So you've you've done you have done a lot of uh, propagating because you have a lot of different plants in this book. Yeah, and I think most every one of those I have in my landscape. <clears throat> wow that that's a good thing. Do you have a lot? Do you have a lot of acreage? Well, I have uh, three farms, but I probably have a three year three acre yard. That I that I can. Now there was a there was a, a lady in Princeton who grew iris. Oh, uh, Lolita Powell. Lolita, yeah, Lolita yes. Powell. She's my it, mentor. I had her in my book. Oh, she was good. Yeah, <laughs> she she would called our show occasionally and uh, had some great tips on on iris. Yes. Are you are you into iris too? Well, I have some of her iris. Yeah. She developed three, and I think I have all three of those. I mean, three named ones she uh-huh. has named. And wow. I have some of her daily lists. Good gracious. But she was really my mentor, and she was actually my English teacher. How about oh, that? My so, she, so y'all walked around the, the landscape and, and learning how to propagate as she would tell you, no, that's not correct English. <laughs> you, you got it right. Yeah. Now, look, she yeah. knew the Latin names of all the plants and everything. Oh. And actually in school, she tried to teach us Latin. Above every, That wasn't even on the curriculum. Rufus knows a little Latin since he's one of those lawyers. 
Well, all I know is weeny, weighty, wicky. <laughs> Are you sure that's what You're I conjugating, I think. <laughs> I, I know. Rose, I'm not sure that's that's the correct pronunciation. <clears throat> that's the way they said it in Boone. Anyway. Well, now, my favorite Latin saying, though, is res ipsa loquitur. The thing oh, speaks for itself. Well, that's good. I'd like to remember that. (laughs) Race ipsa loquitur. Uh, Okay. Well, we'll we'll, uh, put that on our website. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Rufus said. (laughs) When somebody keeps yapping on or running their mouth, you just say, race ipsa loquitur. (laughs) Speaks for itself. (laughs) All right. But I did want to say one thing about the camellias. Say all you want. They are a great source of uh, nectar for bees in winter. You know, because bees don't have much to eat; they don't have much to get to get food in winter. That's right. And then something else is that henbit. That's a weed that grows in the fields in winter. In spring, the fields look lavender looking. Yes, ma'am. I, we we talk about that a lot. It's it's kind of a pest around here, but I love riding through the country and seeing it. Yeah, that's beautiful, and so the bees thrive on that in winter, and that helps them. So, and then I wanted to say one thing about camellias. I could say a lot about them. Yeah. But if you get a, if you want to have flowers all the year, that takes you through the winter into spring, because you could have a yuletide that blooms like in November, the Sasanqua, and then if you had a blood of China or Victory Emmanuel is the real name, that would take you through spring. Because it blooms late. Yep. Oh, that's exactly what I love about my garden. I, I brought in some this morning. Do you have a Kramer Supreme? No, not now. Well, we've, we've been admiring how well, big and lush it is. Yeah, that is one beautiful my... plant. And pink perfection. Mm-hmm. I have that. And then I'm, I'm sure you've got a Professor Sargent. That's right. And then one we haven't quite fully identified that's pink. We think it's maybe almost Eden. It's not as flashy as the other three. But uh-huh. it's, uh, pink kind with of white lo- slashes through it. Yeah. Big, big stamens in the middle. Yeah. So I don't know. And I have one interesting camellia that it is a seedling, and I think it's a cross between a Sasanqua and a camellia. And it blooms in the fall when the Sasanquas bloom. It's a single, of course, but it's good. It's a good plant. My. That's amazing. But by the way, do do uh camellias they they drop seeds, of course, and I've yeah. never had many just come up like they they do from other things like Rosa Sharon. But is that quite common? Oh yes, but normally they're not like the mother. That's what I understand. Right. But I've, I've been to a seedling garden in Florida, and they were beautiful. Everything was pretty. Yeah, that's so. Now, to the Daphne, what are tricks with the, uh, with propagating a Daphne, which is apparently very hard to do? It doesn't like to be transplanted. No, well, when I, when I did mine, I, I rooted, I put, a, put potting soil in a one-gallon container, and then about two or three inches on the top I put, uh, just regular rooting mix, and I would put it in there and root it. So if it if it did root, that's for ill. Then it was already established. You didn't have to move it. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. That makes sense. Smart lady. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you shouldn't be giving out all your secrets, Rose. <laughs> well, I need to at my age. Oh. Somebody needs to know my secrets. I am so glad you wrote this book. And I, I want well, I want you to, uh, by phone, uh, come on the show. And you're welcome anytime to call. Well, but uh, we, we, need to, we need to set up something so you can be on longer if you want some spun some well, specific that would be an honor. Thank oh you. no no it, it'd be an honor for us by so, the way in your picture rose on the back of the book which is a beautiful you're a beautiful lady you are is, is that a, a hibiscus in the background that pink flower no that's the wait a minute i think it is it's the it's one that my aunt had and i got a seed from her it's just a seedling yeah and but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I have a, a a big one that comes hey, up that's each. That's what makes the picture pretty. <laughs> well, I would wow. say the the human being on there is a very pretty lady too. <laughs> I bet, and I bet you could answer some of the questions that we get on this show. Sometimes I could. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the name of the book is uh, Plant Propagation, Rose right. Roads. And uh, it, it it's available on Amazon. It, it very true. easy to find. That, that's true. Hey, uh, do you want to hang on with us a few minutes until the top of the hour? I will be glad. Okay, to. it won't be long. All right, more of the weekend gardener. We'll talk to other callers and talk more with Rose. Coming up on WPTF's Weekend Gardener. It's eight fifty two. You're listening to the longest-running gardening show on the radio. It's the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. All right. We're back on WPTF. Mike Rayley here along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmonston. Gerald Adams is with us from Centennial Campus, formerly of the Governor's Mansion for many years, the uh, uh, curator of the grounds there. And uh, Rose Rhodes, R-H-O-A-D-E-S, author of Plant Propagation, a Primer. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are so glad, to, uh, and from Princeton. And we also have John on. Which, uh, Rose, if, if you get uh, cut off here, we're, we're going to put, put you on with, with everybody else. And uh, so yeah, if you fine. get you call us back. All right, John, good morning. You're on WPTF. Good morning. How can we help you? Uh, well, it's my 80th birthday, so I thought I'd mention that. But I... My question is about pruning. When do I do it? Your 80th birthday? Is that what you said? Yes. How about that? Happy birthday, John. Thank Let's you. give John a round of applause. Well, yeah, certainly, yeah. I don't know if we, yeah. <laughs> well, John, I'm looking toward one in, in July of that same age. How about that? Oh, I, That's I'm hard already, to believe. I'm already oh, 83. Uh-huh. How about that? <laughs> I, I think the question is is more relevant to what in particular are you talking about pruning? I'm talking about roses. Okay. Uh, it, it depends upon – some people would have already started, would have started knocking them back in December. I historically waited till about now, into January 1st of February. Uh, and are you referring to hybrid teas, grandifloras, even knockout roses? Uh, oh, all of the above, uh, all of the above. Uh, I, f- for me, I used to want to wait till they were completely dormant. Oh. Uh, uh, the exception, I would sometimes knock a little back in uh, December or uh, late November if I just had some really huge, tall 
canes that I were worried about if, you know, we had an ice storm that could break them off lower than I would want to cut them back. So I might would, you know, knock a few wild ones out then. But uh, usually by – How deep do I do it? You can whack them all you want to. Uh, Generally speaking – uh, you will you will tell people you will see people to tell you to cut two thirds of it off, uh, but you have to look at the structure of the plant. Okay. Uh, a cane on a rose will never be larger than the cane it is coming off of. Sometimes the older canes eventually die out, and you have newer, younger canes emerging from the bottom of the plant, and you want to save those sometimes to come on up uh, into the plant. So there's uh it's no exact science to it, uh, but it's not as horrific. Some people are scared if a plant's six foot tall and they cut it back to two and a half foot that they've ruined and destroyed the plants. Yeah. But roses are extremely hardy as long as you fertilize them pretty well when they start putting on new growth. Uh, you'll end up with a tighter, healthier plant and ultimately more blooms. Rose, do you do you have a lot of roses? Uh-huh. No, sir. Good gracious. Your name is Rose, and you don't have a lot of roses? (laughs) One in this yard is enough. Oh, okay. Well, I won't ask Rose about roses then. Uh, Don't ask me anything. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you prune them back? I mean, what what type do you have? I I don't have any. Oh, you don't have any? Oh, okay. Well, she's the. Well, Rose doesn't have roses. About that. Uh, of the ones you have now, John, do you have some pretty old, been in the ground a pretty long time? No, they're they're pretty, they're relatively new. I bought them all at, at, at Logan's. Okay. The, the least concerning of them is probably the knockouts. What will happen with a knockout if you leave it in the ground year after year after year and never prune it? The next thing you know, it's six foot tall. And the bottom first foot or two of the plant won't have many limbs nor many blooms. So it looks kind of naked-like at the bottom unless there's something planted in front of it, where if you cut it back every year or every every year, it'll keep more low lateral branches and have blooms kind of from the ground up. Uh, But with hybrid teas and ground to floors, it's pretty essential to cut them back do you just going to end up with a wild plant with long limbs and the blooms may snap the snap the plant off? John's that gets you started uh, for the day. That that does. <laughs> Happy birthday, John! Thank Have you. a great yes, one, my friend. Please call us again soon. Okay, we'll do. Happy and the birthday. author, yeah, happy birthday! <laughs> and the the author of Plant Propagation of Primer, Rose Rhodes, with us. Rose, thank you. We'll be in touch.